God bless you guys and thank you for tuning in to Streams with Jonathan Ramos. This is Jonathan Ramos speaking. I want to thank you guys for joining our podcast or even listening to, to the podcast and even sharing it. I want to thank you all for the love and the support we have gotten. Uh, thank you so much for that. And I pray that you are off to a great start this Monday or better yet, a great start in this year. I pray that the Lord has truly blessed you. Uh, as we started this year, I decided to go ahead and start this year with a mini-series just describing what the pursuit of happiness was. Something that my wife and I were pondering when we, were st- when we started uh, doing our goals and describing. And then I made a podcast regarding goals and morals and while we were setting up goals, that just came up to mind, came to mind in regards to happiness. What is happiness? How to obtain happiness? Where does where does happiness come from? What is happiness, right? In a biblical terms. Um, and as we wrapped up our mini series last week, uh, I was praying this morning and I was thinking of this thing what we will call purpose, purpose, destiny, purpose. Um, And something came to mind, and it was freedom. And almost immediately this morning while I was praying to God and setting up some things for the ministry, uh, God is more like the Holy Spirit, Spirit, and God told me they don't know what freedom is. And that's why I want to touch base today, freedom, this thing we call freedom, this thing that we love to call freedom. A lot of individuals do have a misconception of freedom. We believe that the 21st century believes that because we come to Christ, that God will give us the desires of our heart. And because we come to Christ, we can therefore become a judge. We can therefore, because I'm in Christ, I can do what I please to do because God gives me the freedom to choose. A great mentor once told me, and I mentioned this in my last podcast, if you haven't tuned into it, please tune into it. Uh, A great mentor once told me that the will of God or the purpose of God is like a cruise. When you go to a cruise, you have a program and you choose to follow that program or do whatever you want. But you still get to your destination. Okay. So when we talk about purpose, it's just like a cruise. You can, and therefore when we talk about purpose then two wills are at play. You have God's will versus self-will. You have God's will and self-will. And now to pretty much uh, biblically substantiate what I'm talking about, I'll go ahead and describe what occurred in the Bible. But a lot of us have the concept and we love to quote those scriptures when it comes to this. And that is in book. In the book of Psalms, chapter 37, verse 4, where it says, The Lord will give you the desires of your heart. The disturbing reality is that that verse should ought to scare anybody who is not walking in purpose. That verse itself, that the God will give you the desires of your heart, should ought to shaken anybody who is not walking in the will of God. And here's why. Because we understand that in the book of Jeremiah, chapters verse 17, chapter 17, verses 9 through 10, or 9 and 10, we understand that Jeremiah states that the heart above all is deceitful. The heart, your heart, your heart, it is not a valuable source to incline to 
Because when you look at every single problem that you have ever encountered in this life or any encounter or any problems that you have, it is because of a result of your heart. What do you mean? Have you ever looked at somebody that you used to date or something that you used to do that you thought that your heart, that you actually believed that in your heart was right and you look back and you're like, wow, this was a complete mistake. Your heart is not a valuable resource to perceive in purpose because your heart doesn't know what it wants. Above all else, your heart is deceitful. So where does the book of Psalm 37 verse 4 comes in? Where it says that the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. And that's what we're going to be explaining today. Because your desires and the desires that we will talk about, that when you look at the book of Psalms, chapter 37, when we look at it and everything else in that scripture, there is a point in God where you no longer desire anything. And when I mean you no longer desire anything, you no longer desire anything in the means of what you want, but you want God's desire. Meaning, God's desire will transcend and and enter your heart to a degree where literally all you desire is what He desires. The, in the New Testament, Jesus said, I could only do what I see my father doing. It is the same as I can feel what my father feels. I, 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 want, the, I want what my father wants. And that's when we look in chapter uh, Psalms 37. It's not merely talking about the desires of you wanting to become rich. It is not merely talking about your desires of becoming a great lawyer or owning a multi-million dollar company. Oh no, but Christ gives me freedom to do to do what I want as long as I serve him. The truth in reality is that you are called for a purpose. You were born. Before you were a person, you are a purpose. You are a purpose that is embodying a flesh. You are purpose and flesh is your housing unit. So when we look at freedom, for those of you, those who understand freedom there is really not necessarily freedom as you think in fact freedom is in proportion to the degree we confront and live without purpose what do you mean by that Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1 states Paul says that I am a prisoner of Christ for those of you who understand purpose, and there's a chain reaction, freedom is determined to the proportion that you confront and live purpose. Purpose is then, therefore, in conjunction with your relationship to Christ. The reality of it is, the closer you are to Christ, the less freedom you have. The reality of it is that there are two wills that you are up against. And it is God's will and self-will. And to bring an analogy biblically, we will look at the life of Jesus. We understand that Jesus was baptized by the Spirit. And after he was baptized, he was sent to the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights. 
right, where he was fasting and he confronted the devil. And the devil confronted him and did three attempts into tempting him to deviate from what he was trying to do. By 40 days and 40 nights, we understand that it brings more than psychological hunger because 40 days and 40 nights, by this time, your flesh is literally eating your flesh. And the devil comes and say and, tell, and tempts Jesus, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus so marvelously, marvelously responds to him with scripture. And then the devil takes him. And the, the, this testimony could be found in the, in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? In the New Testament. Right after the Revelation. I'm just kidding. Um, so when we look at this, right, then Jesus is tempted the second time and then the third time. And Jesus so marvelously, in, in all his great wonders, handles Satan to a degree where he dominates him. He masters his enemy. Then you have a second instance or second scenario where Jesus is now in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you now have to understand, and anybody who reads the scriptures or reads these scriptures will understand that the Jesus in the wilderness was not the same Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, we literally now have Jesus who is praying to his Father. And he says, not my will, but your will be done. But before he does that, the Bible says that he was literally confronted or he was praying to a degree where it is something called hydromyphosis. Where his sweat glands literally began bleeding because of what was happening. That Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was confronting something that he that most of us, a lot of us are confronting and have no success. This Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was fighting and said, Father, let this cup pass by me. When you look at this Jesus, this Jesus was definitely encountering an enemy that he has not encountered. You see, there's a difference between an antagonistic type of enemy, an enemy that you master, an enemy that you can confront and it ain't your weakness. A lot of us have those type of enemies or struggles, a struggle that we completely dominate. We can dominate with our eyes closed. But and then there is a will. You see, there is a will that we will confront, which is called self-will. And Jesus had it confronted. And that was he confronted in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he was praying to his father. And during the time of prayer, he said, not my will, but your will be done. He was battling an enemy that he, had, that he could not win. And that enemy was literally God. There was... There is a time in life, you see, 
when you confront the devil and when you fight enemies such as the devil, it is easy for you because you literally have God to back you up. But then there comes a point where you are actually fighting God's will. What are you trying to say? The son of God was fighting God. There are things that prove this. One of the things that proved this was that Jesus was crying, begging his father, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass by me, meaning he didn't want to go through what he was about to go through. And in the end, he has a victory over it, but not really a victory where you can shout and scream and say, I've dominated this and and the Lord really came through. Not that type of victory. In fact, he had a victory that I myself have had and many others have had, which is a victory but barely making it because he says, uh, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In other words, I still don't want to do this, but let your will be done. What I'm trying to say is that destiny or purpose, this thing we call purpose, has a way of calling you into places that you do not want to be. And the more you fight purpose, the more you will confront yourself like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you are fighting an enemy that you will not, your flesh is fighting an enemy that you will not be able to win. Because you see, when you're fighting the devil, God will surely, surely back you up. But when you are fighting God himself and what God has called you to do. You have no way or no one to back you up to help you get through the mess that you're going through. Destiny, this thing that you call freedom, this thing that we call freedom, it's not freedom to a degree where we say, where we think we can do what we want. For those, for those who, who know what I'm talking about, there's a point of time because you see, now freedom is obtained through a proportion of your purpose and purpose tells you that you have been destined by God for a cause and because you are destined by God for a cause that means you're not like the others and because you're not like the others purpose will now drive you to do things that others wouldn't do purpose will drive you to do things and be separated from People that you don't want to be separated from put you in positions that you don't want to be put into purpose has a way of determining your freedom and the only way you obtain purpose is if you obtain a relationship with Christ so you see how that cause and effect works the closer you get to God the less freedom you actually have and you can actually say what Paul said in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1 that I am a prisoner to Christ that I do his will And the reason why I'm mentioning freedom is for you to ponder, for you who are listening, to ponder as to what am I doing with my life? What am I doing? Am I actually walking out in what God called me to do? Or am I actually walking out in something that I desire to do? Remember, you have God's will and self-will. Not every opposition that comes into your life is an opposition of the enemy. 
because Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he didn't, he wasn't doing nothing wrong. In fact, he was in God's will. He just confronted an enemy that he could not win. Yet, he still gave into the will of God and allowed the will of God. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In other words, I still don't want to do this. I still don't want to do what you want me to do, but I'm still going to do it. I pray that this finds you well. If you have not visited our website, jonathanramos.org, visit it. Our latest podcast will be there. I thank you all for tuning in. Take this thought to ponder this week. Am I in God's will or self-will? If the, is the opposition that I'm going through really God or is it the enemy? Because nine out of ten times the opposition that you're going through it is actually God putting you into a place where you can where you're not comfortable and do his will. God bless you. Bye-bye.